Welcome to the Mastering Fulfillment Podcast, where we focus on bridging success with fulfillment in your personal, business, and spiritual life. And now your hosts, Scott Berry and Joshua Wenner. Hello and welcome to the Mastering Fulfillment Podcast. As always, I'm Scott Berry, joined with my amazing co-host, Joshua Wenner. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Excited about today's topic. Today, we're going to be going a little bit in depth on the state of fulfillment in men and relationships. Now, this could tie to men and women, but we're going to specifically focus on men. And not too long ago, I had the honor of meeting up with one of the retreats that Josh leads uh, on a quarterly basis, and this is for men only. This really got me thinking about uh, a lot of things, not only in my own life, but as being a man in general. And as I'm getting older, and the difficulty that I've noticed in my own life in just you know keeping deeper friendships and realizing how much this really influences someone's fulfillment. So. I think today's topic is going to be about fulfillment in regards to the average American man, the the loneliness that sometimes accompanies the lonely American man. So again, this is something that has just been so moving to me. And I've just been listening to topic after topic after topic about this. I, I know Josh has a lot to say on this subject. Is this a topic that resonates with you given you know, the fact that you've done so many of these, these men's retreats. Yeah, I think it's definitely a topic. And to re support what you were saying, the topic is what effect do relationships have on men in, in regards to fulfillment? It's really how, as men have been aging, they have been not keeping up with their social circles quite as much. Um, Michelle actually was just with some of her girlfriends the other day, and there was only, I think, five of them. And when you get a group that's you know anywhere from three to five, I think once you start to get above uh, six people, the, the social group dynamics start to shift. But what had happened was they all literally just sat in a circle with someone's birthday, and they really just wrapped out. And it seemed to have come very easy for them. And this is the feedback that I got from her, uh, how easy it was just to share with them how to be vulnerable with each other and just to have that space to you know have that free flowing exchange. And when I was talking with her last night, she even mentioned, she's like, wow, it's amazing how free flowing that we can jump right into these kind of topics as women. And most of our men back home don't really kind of understand or really have that capacity. I actually wouldn't say capacity. They just don't have that circumstance set up in their life to have this this really beautiful free flow. Actually, let me play something. And this really encapsulates a lot of what men are, are feeling these days. I am married. And when my wife and I are together, there are things to do and not enough time in the day to do them with our friends. When she and I are apart, more than a day or two, I turn into a hermit. Uh, I've had lots of really good and deep relationships with men in the past, uh, but due to just some situations that were affecting me professionally, those relationships ended abruptly and very painfully. I found the pain of that to be more than I'm willing to pay, so I'll just go without friends 
and get my relationship needs met by my family. Loneliness and social isolation has become more and more part of my daily life. It's harder to make friends. It's harder to find situations that I enjoy being in. I have two or three friends that I've known since we were all teenagers. And other than that, if my wife weren't around, it, I would be hard-pressed to have close friends other than those from a long time ago. We have perhaps more, more of a reason to turn to people and to uh, lean on those uh, friendships uh, and those relationships to give us strength, but uh, they're often not there in the way that they are for women or they were you know, when we were hanging out with our friends in our 20s. So that sums up a lot of what we're talking about. And, you know, what I've been reading really gets down to the social scientists have been studying, and this has been confirmed over and over again, that the state of someone's health in terms of their friendships, in terms of the people that they turn to, is so critical to their well being. They say it's actually above their physical health or what they're eating and exercising their body. And they say that's one of the main reasons that men actually end up dying earlier than women. And they did this really amazing study about, you know, who would you call in the middle of the night if you were scared or needed some type of consolement where women had, you know, at least two or three right off the bat that they can turn to, but most men felt like they had close friends, but no one that they could turn to in their in their kind of like deepest, darkest times. So that's the that is the kind of topic we want to go down and explore a little bit more. And so I would love to get your just kind of your initial feedback and maybe just some ideas that we can use that as a, a starting off point to to kind of dive into this a little bit more. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would agree with that. I, I would agree with that not only for, I think, my own life, but I think with with a lot of the men that I see in the retreats. And, you know, so I think this is a pretty common state of affairs. And I think the way my experience of it is <clears throat> how it relates to me, I think a lot of times is I feel like the rock. So I feel like so much of the time I'm supporting people through coaching or through my programs or whatever it may be. So I have to work really hard when I'm going through something to actually reach out uh, to connect with somebody or to share something vulnerable, um, I find is actually really challenging. Um, <clears throat> personally, and I have a lot of really actually close friends that I would consider really close, but I still observe myself. And I think this is the broader conversation. Uh, maybe it's how it's, you know, how it's conveyed in nature. I don't know what the, the dynamics are, but I notice myself. It's not like I necessarily reach out when I'm going through something. I usually isolate and kind of disconnect more than reach out uh, when I'm going through something. And then afterward, I'm usually... I can kind of come up and do things. So I think it's a relevant topic. I see a lot of the men, um, I think also are, are not just the ones that come to re the retreats that we do, but a lot of the ones I talk to are just craving connection and they're craving other men to feel safe with. And the irony is most of them, they don't feel safe with. So that's where it gets a little tricky. So I think it's a big problem. I think it's a big problem that starts in childhood. that starts in our culture and there's no real, um, even in safe groups, it's still, uh, I think it's been so ingrained, it's still hard to practice. So yeah, I think it's a really relevant topic and I think it probably adds to a lot of 
uh, additional stress and problems in men's, wi- men's lives. Based on, you know, I, I like what you said, because, you know, I'm of the same, I think I feel like I'm of the same mindset. And, you know, part of this, I think why it resonated with me so much is really learning about just how we're kind of raised in society, like not to be open, not to have these friendships with men, really, you know, we're meant to kind of like tough it up and be manly. And it just doesn't really feel good or accepted to to really express these these parts of ourselves. And it doesn't even have to be parts that are lonely or scared, but I think this is where it it, it comes up most often is when we have these things that we're holding on to, like we have anxiety and we have fear and we have loneliness for us to feel vulnerable enough to be able to share that with other men. And I do feel that sometimes there's a, there's a capacity that, that sometimes only men can feel just, I feel it's, it's the same way, vice versa with women. But, you know, as much as me and you have this really deep friendship when we've had it for a long time. And it's like, I know that I could call you in the middle of the night and just be like, Hey, dude, I've got this thing going on. You know, I think one of my friends is in the hospital and you know, I'm scared shitless or whatever it is. Even as I think about that, even calling you in the middle of the night, there's this, there's this weird anxiety and a little bit of, of hesitation because it hasn't been a normal part of my protocol. And it's just not a part of the protocol that I see in most men. So I think where we come into a lot of disarray for a lot of men is as humans, I feel like we need, we we need to kind of have this exertion, this outlay, this ability to have this conversation for these deep things on a regular basis with people. The problem is obviously we don't have it with a lot of men. So when we do get into these intimate partnerships and just like that little clip that we played earlier about the gentleman who said, you know, hey, if it wasn't for my wife and, you know, her planning these things or me having this outlay with my wife, you know, I'd be hard pressed to know what I would really do with myself. And, you know, this is why the the whole suicide rate in men uh, have been going down except for older age men in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, in which we put a lot of our, our outlay and a lot of those really vulnerable sharing moments to our significant other. And when that channel gets blocked and when that channel gets disrupted, women on average, no, again, there's always exceptions to the rule, but women on average seem to have more outlets to be able to, to have that, that, that healing, if you will. And us as men don't normally have that. And I, like you, Josh, my first tendency when I'm scared, I'm anxious, I'm afraid is to isolate and to, you know, really just pull the covers over my head and be like, oh, I just, I I need to isolate. And, you know, I do think that there's, there's healing in that, but I also know that the rate of suicide for men, you know, after a divorce or really long relationship is dramatically higher than women simply for that fact is the fact that they lose a little piece of themselves because it's really one of their only outlets to really express like who they are on a very deep and emotional level. And so, you know, for me, I, I, I've been listening to this. I've, I've actually picked up a couple of books and have been reading about this because I've been so fascinated by it. But it's hard for me not to relay that to my life in such a way that I see myself as I get older, I'm, I'm more focused on, you know, building my practice and building my business and, and doing all these other things, but it sometimes tend to be a little bit less social 
with my, my male counterparts. And so it's something that I've been really actively putting in the back of my head. It's like, wow, it's like I've realized that I need to kind of grow that little bit of a social network because I know that if me and Michelle split up, she'd have an easier time for the most part of kind of getting back on her feet and adapting socially than I would just because I, I do put a little bit more eggs in my basket with you know, when it comes to my marriage with Michelle and she has a little bit of a social, uh, a little more of a social broader outreach with her friends. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's why it's really hit me, you know, so deeply. And I see it with so many of, of my male friends. And so I've, I've seen a little bit of a drop in the amount of male friends that have been in my life that are closer that I can have these super deep conversations with you know i don't know if you you're getting the same kind of feedback i feel that uh, i think it's a it's an interesting topic and i think i noticed the same thing i know i noticed you know certain groups of friends have and i know we've talked a lot about fulfillment and going after your passions or what your greatest joy is and the challenge with that when it comes to peers is a lot of times you change and then the peers there isn't as much resonance if you will so you start to go through different peer groups and I find when you're going through different peer groups, it can get frustrating because it's like, oh, now you have to rebuild and you're rebuilding and, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of like, you know, you see different people getting married or different people going to four or five different weddings as best men or whatever it may be. And you're like, ah, oh, I've just grown apart or changed, you know? So it's like, so I think it definitely gets interesting. It gets interesting as you get older for me, I'm noticing that like, and I just haven't followed the same norm. I didn't stick to the same peer groups. You know, I've changed and morphed and kind of jumped in the deep end over and over again um, versus staying comfortable in the shallow end. And <clears throat> in addition to peer groups, if something didn't feel like it was serving me, I would shift it. So, yeah, I think it does get a little bit uh, more lonesome along the along the journey. And, and you're in a relationship. I'm not in a relationship. So I have the time and energy to do it. Um, I find I'm a little bit... Um, yeah, I find it is more of a challenge unless it's in my day-to-day -day work or I find little ways. Like I find I'm, I'm finding time to like go work out with guys or I'll go do things has been a way that I integrate into my, my personal life um, to find fulfillment. And I do find that helps or going to get a quick bite with a buddy and just kind of catching up. But I'd say it's a super uh, close to get a friends. And I, and I do think it's also tough. Like you mentioned earlier, we're super close and go super deep and Yet when something's going on, it's not like I call and say, hey, here's what's going on. <laughs> you know, we, we still kind of isolate and I observe myself kind of going my own process with you, Will. And if I, if I deconstruct it, I think, one, I think I'm learning. And, and again, I think we're more on the cutting edge of emotional intelligence where we're feeling and feeling what the trauma is or feeling what the trigger is or the emotional wound and allowing to process that. So, um one, I think it, it's a little bit easier to process it, to feel, you know, practicing the feeling. But two, I don't know, for me, I think sometimes it feels like a burden or, you know, I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to reach out to guys and share my, my, the challenges I'm going through. Or I think also, I don't feel like anybody else can solve it. I feel like they're, they're really my things to feel into and to get clarity around. So I think sometimes I go to, why would I even reach out? Like there's, or actually if I go a layer deeper, if I really feel into this, I think the times that I have shared really emotional, vulnerable stuff, they may have been with friends that I felt judged or I felt attacked um, and um, didn't feel safe. And after that, I was like, oh man, why, why did I share that? You know? And I think it, it more kind of just goes that you can handle your stuff on your own. You know? So I think it is some, something interesting because here we're very aware, very conscious of what we're doing, very practicing, yet 
we don't do it. <laughs> There's a couple of things that I'd love to just tack onto that you just brought up. You know, one of them is, and again, these are the same type of objections, red flags, mind chatter that comes up for me as well. Because I know that if I needed you, something happened to Michelle or just something happened that was traumatic in my life, we had a fire, that I know that I could call on you. Yet, why is it? And I know that on a, I know that on an intellectual level, and I also know that on a, on a heart level. Like I know that you would be there, and I know, you know, and I feel that that you think that for me. But for whatever reason, that that still comes up. That little that little voice and that little chatter comes up. You know, you mentioned you're like, wow, I know that I could probably call Scott, or that I could probably call Joe or Susie or whoever whoever it happened to be, but you know, there's that little thought in the back of your mind, like, ah, like, would you be bothering them? Would you be putting them in an inconvenient spot because it may not be the right time? And I, and trust me, I, I feel that immensely. But on, on that token, if the tables were turned, if some of your good friends were to call you maybe in the middle of the night or maybe an off time, how would you feel about that? It was interesting. I was just at a Kyle Cease event this last weekend and it was so good. And one of the things I think that I've dealt with my in other words, my lack in the past of having to deal with me was to help others. So I think that was one of my avoidance mechanisms. So it was really easy for me to be there and show up for everybody else. Um, so to me, I don't even think twice about it. And I'm su super supportive of that. But I think when it comes to me, that's where I, I've been avoiding in the past. And I'm really now taking a look at this. I mean, I've, I'm on a 90-day celibacy where it's no porn, no masturbation, no sex, no, you know, no, no intimacy. I'm also took away TV for 90 days. And so I'm constantly taking away any vices or anything that shows up to distract me. And so I can just feel and be with me, if you will, be intimate with me. Um, and, and so I'm discovering a lot of these things beneath the surface of how they show up and they're super sneaky. And so to answer your question, yeah, I'm, just, I'm there in a heartbeat for anybody else. I don't know why it still comes up around me. Um, feeling it. And I think, I think a big portion of it is again, and I, I do know if, so, if I needed something, man, I know you'd be there in a heartbeat and some of my other buddies would be there in a heartbeat. But again, I think a lot of the things I just kind of think um, I don't really need an outside opinion, I think is also part of it. Like, I think a lot of it I'm feeling, I know that it, they're my stuff to kind of feel into. Um, and there's not really a whole lot um that'll come from sharing where in the past, I actually think I was different. I think in the past I'd actually reach out to everybody and I was actually much more vocal and I would reach out and I would share and connect. And, and I think I was, I found that I was just processing with other people every time something came up. Well, it wasn't really taking ownership. So the irony is I think for me, my growth is actually coming and in going internal when I feel something come up um, and actually able to feel and sit with it and be with it and love those parts of me. Um, and also find like now I'm even looking like, okay, where do I need to go find places that I can deal with this? Um, but whether it's in therapy or whether it's, you know, actually working with somebody that I'm paying the time and energy for it is what I'm learning. Cause I also feel like, I don't know what your experience is and maybe we can go here next is I feel like a lot of times I don't feel safe cause I'm so, I don't want to know if it's controlling or influential, if you will. I feel like I can override a situation if that makes any sense. So, so it's almost like, I almost need somebody that doesn't, that can't let me override the situation. And I think that's, I think the more, the more we research, the more we learn, the more we apply, the deeper we go. It's like you learn the language, you learn the intellect, you learn a lot of the tools and you practice a lot of it and you work on a lot of it. So at least what I'm discovering, I almost 
continually need to find somebody totally outside my sphere with no relation or no connection, that feels a little safer to listen and because they, they don't know any past stories. So there's no relate, you know, there's no, um, and, and again, to me, that's like, I'm in the process now of reaching out for a therapist, which I've never done. And I'm like, wow, okay, maybe I need to process some of my grief or process some of the, um, you know, I hold these retreats and hold a lot of space for men and hold a lot of space on accountability calls and do a lot around, around that, but never really have a place that I go. And even when I have stuff come up, I don't really, I realized this other day because a friend did it and she, she wasn't reaching out and I knew something was going on. I kept checking in and it showed me, I'm like, oh man, I don't reach out. I don't tell anybody when something's going on. And so I was like, I need to talk through this a little bit. So, so I think it's an interesting topic, man. I really, I really do. What's, what's been your experience around that? It's very similar to yours, but I think the main difference for me is beside, you know, when I have been either going to school or doing free therapy sessions, you know, where, where I was going back and forth, like being a therapist, being the client, my normal MO for the most part hasn't been to naturally always reach out. Normally hasn't just been a part of my paradigm. I think for the main reason is I just haven't grown up that way. You know, my dad wasn't, you know, his emotional intelligence isn't, isn't high. His, his intelligence is high in other areas, but it's just not something his father, his father's father and so on and so far just created. And so it's just not something that I grew up with. And so it just hasn't been a go-to and I haven't really had a male role model for the last few years that just kind of exemplified that. You know, I really had to go out on my own and find that. And as I get older, it gets to me, it, it gets to be a little bit easier and I can go there. It just, it's still not part of the, the day-to-day, if you will. And, and I think it also kind of jumps into two camps about bringing in male friends. You know, one of them is, you know, who would you call like when you really have these this deep stuff going on? And I think the other, the other flip side of it is who are just the, just the men in general, without the heavy situations where you're just hanging out more on a daily basis that you can just call up randomly on the phone. And I think that to me seems to be a little more of a concern because for me and my interaction with male friends is it seems to be more more event-based. So, hey, we're going to get together. How's this date? You know, like, hey, we're going to go camping together or, hey, you want to go catch a ball game together? But there doesn't seem to always be this natural rotation of men in my life to where it's like, oh, on a Saturday, it's like, oh yeah, your guys are just going to kind of check in with you or every other week, they're just going to kind of check in with you and just see what, you know, what's going on. It usually has to be kind of a specific event. And so I'm noticing that a little bit more. So that's something that I, I definitely would love to improve on because I know that that would definitely add a little bit more, a little bit more fulfillment. And at the end of the day, I know that a lot of this not only rests on, you know, the paradigms of, of how men have, have been kind of shaped and structured here in the U S but it also falls on me just as I've gotten older, my just uh, reluctancy or just my, I don't want to say laziness, but just my comfortability in just being at home and, and do my work or going out to Michelle or just seeing my male friends on an event basis. In that respect, I think it's one of the, the things that I was looking to increase as well when I you know, started my whole goal of uh, 100 conscious conversations. The other thing that you, that you mentioned for those deep friendships, 
the friendships where I feel like the men actually really see me. I mean, really see me. And, and, and there's a handful of those. There's not a lot, but there's a handful of them. I'm like you, where I feel that if I'm going to really open up, I feel like they've got to have an emotional intelligence. It, it has to be of a certain level that I feel safe to be able to show all of me. I'd love to ask you this. I don't know if that's kind of my own internal head fuck and I'm sabotaging myself that way or, you know, if it feels like it's kind of a valid, you know, kind of a valid thought process. What's your, uh, what's your take on that? I feel like there's a, uh, as we're talking through, there's a couple different instances and I, I, I'm, I feel blessed because I'm in a, one, I do a weekly accountability calls after we do a retreat. And so in this last one that I'm doing, um, I actually am participating in. And I got to say, it's super interesting to be, I've been facilitating the last four of them. So it's a little bit different. I don't really share. Um, I more just facilitate the group and keep it on point and keep it moving and, you know, kind of challenge guys to go a little deeper, ask questions or reflect. <clears throat> but this one, I wanted to experience it from the flip side. And I also needed the support of the group. Um, again, I'm working through pornography and that's been really hard for me. And the deeper layers that I go of doing the men's work, I have to keep going deeper into myself. And, and, you know, after handling a lot of my, um, I think I had a lot of trauma around friendships and peer groups and I didn't trust men and there's a lot of conflict around that. And so I've been working through that and feeling really empowered. And when conflicts come up, I, I voice my opinion in the moment, even if I swear and lose my shit or get angry, which I never used to do. I used to be passive aggressive. And, and so that's really helped a lot is just shifting that energy. And I let, I take away the filter and I'm finding that super helpful because there's no, there's no backlash. It's almost like it's done right there in the moment and I can just go right back to wherever I need to be. So that's been super helpful. But in doing so, there's these other layers that I didn't even know were down there. And so now I'm like, oh, okay, that other stuff was more taking up space. So I couldn't even get to these deeper layers, but now I handled that and the next layers drop in. And so me being on this, I don't necessarily need uh, I just needed the group support of men that I'm reaching out to and sharing what I'm doing. And that's enough motivation for me. So it's been one, it's been really helpful of doing that and just having a place to share each week on the shit that does come up or, you know, if I'm making progress or where I feel challenged or, um, and then I'd also say I have another group that we do something called the drop in and it's every other week. And it's just a small group of five guys and guys just get on and they have 30 minutes or so each to share whatever they want. So I think there's ways that I'm, so I guess to answer your question, I think I have a lot of outlets where I'm getting kind of the um, emotionally being seen. And in those groups, I can kind of share what's going on at work and what I'm going on, but it's not, it's more of just, I think the relatability or I feel understood or like I'm not alone or I feel connected with other men that feel safe. I don't always find, I find I get some solutions and some feedback from other men. Um, but I'm finding if I want to like, again, resolve if there's deeper layers where I'm saying, Oh wow. Okay. So the alcoholism in our family I'm now seeing, because again, I took away the porn. I took away TV. Those are my two major distractions. So now I'm just sitting with myself and like, oh, okay, I'm observing my patterns and seeing like, okay, there's a little bit of chaosness that I create at home. Um, and I notice my pattern is I get really busy and then I create this chaos, chaos because I'm busy. And then because it's busy, I don't feel like putting it away. So it's almost like I'll have this chaos around and then like um, um, function in it, if that makes sense, without dealing with it. And I noticed that that's a very similar pattern that I grew up in. And I, and so now I'm just like going, okay. So, so I guess the long winded way to answer your question is I think it's really supportive to have men um, that I can, that we can like share stuff that comes up weekly, share our wins, share successes. Cause 
I find there's not a big group for that. That's been really helpful. Like when I have a week that I crush to be able to like share with how proud I am. Um, so I find it's not just in when challenges come up being, having a safe place to share, but really celebrate, um, when you're crushing it. And I find, again, it's the flip. It's like in culture uh, amongst peer groups, sometimes people don't know how to take it. You can't just call your buddy and be like, I fucking crushed it. You know, like here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. Sometimes I go like, Oh, I don't want to make it. So I don't, I don't want to feel bad. And I'm not trying to put it in anybody else's face or anything, but like, where do you go to share? And a lot of times in partnership, at least my experiences, i my past is they don't fully, I don't feel like they fully get it <laughs> all the way. Cause I'm doing so many things and it seems a little bit overwhelming, I think to a lot of people, um, all the stuff I have going. So I never really fully express a lot of what I'm doing. So to me, that's another place is just, where do you go to f- feel fully expressed and celebrate if you want. And I find, uh, and here's, what's interesting as well. Just an insight. I find when I'm, I have guys pay to show up, they show up every week or for the most part. I find as soon as it stops, even though the guys get are like, oh my God, I get so much value out of this. And I'm like, okay, does somebody want to pass the torch and hold this end up? It just falls apart. So it's really interesting how if there's no money or there's no investment on the line and there's no not a reason to show up besides just showing up to, to vent, I find that it doesn't sustain. Uh, and I also found I did this in LA with a, a couple different groups where we did men's groups. And I was with two different groups where we'd start and we'd get, we'd get together weekly and literally a little bit of momentum for like three weeks and then guys would just fall off, fall off. And pretty soon it was the same two or three guys showing up and nobody else. And I, and it was good content. It was good value again. So I, I think it's really interesting that unless there's like some reason that you have to be there, guys will find a way to, to leave. If that makes any sense, even if it's fulfilling. So it's a really interesting subject, you know, I think there's a lot of layers to it. It's I, and I think, I think it just goes back to what we were talking about how, we're just not set up for it. And it just feels a little bit weird to do that naturally. You know, I literally was having this conversation with Michelle and she got back and she's like, Oh, it was just so great. And then the first question I asked was like, how many people showed up? And she's like five. And I'm like, Oh, five girls who all have high emotional intelligence, you know, that, that really love each other. I just know that that's a different social and group dynamic than if they were, you know, like a group of 10, because then little pods start to break out. And she's like, Oh, it was so great. We just broke out. And it was just so easy for them to go to go there um, and to share. And it like, again, it's not it wasn't necessarily heavy, but there was like wins, there was losses, there was like everything in between. It was just about cool. Let's just share, you know, exactly who we are, the wins, losses and everything else. And so I think with men, if when you don't have that kind of just natural structure to go down there, it it is a little bit tough. And, and, I, and this is the kind of topic I'd like to talk about uh, either next um, or following that is, you know, some advice on how to have some tips for average men to, to, to bring more of that into their life. And again, social scientists have literally been conducting study after study after study on how men, not only is their fulfillment a lot higher when they have a deeper social circle, but again, those results can be subjective. But what's not subjective is how long they live. Over and over and over again, it goes to show you that men who have really deep, you know, uh, strong friendships and strong brotherhoods, if you will, tend to tend to lead or live a little bit longer than those that don't. It's also the reason why when you have couples who have been so ingrained for so long, on average, if they've been together a, a minimum of twenty to thirty years, that if the woman dies first and the man is the sole widower and, and sole survivor, 
he will usually pass away a lot sooner. I mean, dramatically sooner than if it was flipped, he died first. How do us as men just start to cultivate more masculine environments, more masculine friendships on a regular basis? Yeah. And to your to your point earlier, I think we can probably brainstorm some strategies and tips for guys and what they can do. I know for me, certain things I'll do is like, I'll, I'll plan work. I'll plan things that I already have planned with other guys. So for example, I go to the gym every day. So I'll say, Hey, let's meet, let's meet for a workout or, you know, bring people into the workout space. And now we're getting to work out, which can also be a very intimate kind of process, if you will, while you're, you know, rapping about a different topic or, or to get a meal. So to me, I kind of do things and I find the doing um, is a little bit easier. Um, and you're kind of doing something, whatever that something is. So workouts, food, uh, work on business or, or whatever it may be. I find all that's helpful. The, the other thing that I find is like some of the things we've done, like those, you know, the camping trips and, um, you know, going to different events and doing things like that can be helpful. But I find the third area is I think a lot of times, like a buddy just reached out. The whole reason I had that thing called the drop is a buddy reached out and said, Hey, I'd like to, uh, like life's so tough now and it's so hard to get together. I really just want need a check-in, like a weekly check-in with the boys. And so he created the drop-in and there wasn't a really a point. It was just a drop-in with five or six other guys once a week. And then it was like, ah, it's too much once a week. So we found that every other week actually was a little bit better. Um, and it is, it's just like, you know, going down to the bar and having a, having a drink and catching up with the buddies, but you're all working, you're all remote and on a video. Um, and it goes, it goes long. That one goes a couple hours. Whereas I, I typically keep my accountabilities call it to an hour. I find guys kind of lose their, their patience pretty quick, but it seems to work well. So do you, do you find that's difficult if, um, because I, I am in complete agreement with you. Um, now me and you, I could actually call you up if, if I'm in town and I'm like, dude, let's just shoot the shit. But me and you also have a long history. And, you know, we also, you know, as you like to say, like, we like to go deep and <laughs> we love to like rap about this shit, whether on a podcast or not. But normally I like to mix it with doing stuff like going on a hike or just walking or, you know, going for a bike ride or going to work out. But I feel like for most guys, if you're not doing something, it's, it's hard to do that. And I'm just wondering if you found mm-hmm. a challenge in just people like getting together on a video conference call as opposed mm-hmm. to like going to the gym or just like meeting up for beers or something. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I've done, let's see, I've done, I think close to seven or eight 90 day accountabilities where, uh, because some of them had two groups that I was leading, there'd be enough guys and we'd break into four or five on two. And so, you know, after running a bunch of them, I find it, it's again, if they have the money incentive and in the beginning, it's always a little bit challenging, I find. Um, the first couple of weeks, it's kind of like, but then after a period of time, it becomes becomes part of the pattern. And then I find guys start to look forward to it. So my experience was it became such, they either become part of it or they fall away. That's one of the two. I've had guys that do a couple and then disappear. I've had other guys who show up every week and implement and get results and um, they don't want to leave. Like it ends and they're like, can we keep it going? You know, because they've built such a, a deep relationship. And when you have a place to go vent every week and um, I feel like you are seen and there is trust built, it's a different kind of level. Um, I can only speak to my, my own experience now that I'm going through. It's like I have a place to vent now every week of what shows up and what's going on and share the progress I make and get suggest helpful suggestions. And other guys can kind of point out things that I know they have my best interest versus feeling open to get attacked. So on the hour one, it's great. I mean, max guys talk are 15 minutes each rotates on the other one. Sometimes it's gotten a little long and it's been, um, um, transparently sometimes I've been like, ah, is this going too long? 
because it can be kind of hard to hold space for guys for a long time. But at the end of the day, when you see breakthroughs happen and you see transformation to me, it gets really kind of, cause, cause it is, the whole thing's really deep. And sometimes guys will even call each other out on the call, right? Like two guys saying, I got this conflict and I need to resolve it with you in front of our brothers. And so sometimes that's been really helpful to see guys kind of the whole call ends up being them processing. Right. But then you get to see both sides and you get, and you get reflections from the other guys in the group. So it's almost like they're calling out the patterns and then having the men support um, to resolve, resolve that conflict, um, which has been really helpful. So yeah, I, I actually find it works really well um, because you can do it anywhere as long as you got a phone. So for me, like being so busy, if I have to show up somewhere in person, it's really hard for me to be consistent with that. Uh, it, maybe it's a story, maybe it's a limiting belief or whatever it is, or maybe I don't prioritize it. But if all I have to do is turn on my phone, it's a, it's a lot harder to get away from it. You know, like I even just did an event, um, the Kyle Cease event and it ended at eight. So I literally went in the hallway and jumped on my video call and had earplugs air, air at the actual event and jumped down and sat down on the floor for 30 minutes and was done, you know? So, um, I do find it's helpful. I do find it's helpful for me. It's helpful to have like a check in each week. Um, but again, if I had too many of them, when I was running too many, then it got overwhelming. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so I find it's that right balance, you know? Um, and so I think that would be a big part of it. If, if there is a lot of guys events coming up and I tend to meet a lot more and more men that are doing men's events, trying to get things rolling in this area. So I would probably suggest that there's a lot of stuff and I think kind of feeling it out. Some guys might say, like, I know there's stuff going down in Orange County where the guys meet up once a week. I know there's a bunch of other things, guys creating guys events just to hang. So I'd say maybe you look in your community and find what's going on and get outside the comfort zone for anybody that's wanting to do it. There might be already groups established, you know, or hang times or meetups or whatever it is. It's just uncomfortable at first meeting new people, you know, but that's, that's what, that was my, that's been my experience of. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, they did this uh, social experiment where they took people on the subway. I think it was a San Francisco Bart where they took a control group and they said, okay, you can evaluate if you would be happier just listening to your headphones and kind of reading a book, or if you had to strike up a conversation with uh, a complete stranger. And they, their initial assessment was they thought it was going to be between 50 and 60% satisfaction rate if they were actually going to be talking with someone. But a lot of people thought, oh, it's actually going to be more uh, satisfying to actually just be by yourself and read the book. And, you know, what they found was actually completely the opposite that almost a hundred percent of them found more satisfaction in actually striking up a conversation and having a dialogue with, with somebody on the train. They found that obviously the hardest part, they didn't think that, you know, having the dialogue with them would actually be uncomfortable, but it was the initial reach out and the, anxiety about maybe possibly getting rejected or just that initial confrontation of actually striking up a conversation. So I think that seems to be the barrier for most people. I, I know it definitely is for me of, you know, expanding that, that male friendship and that male group to make it even larger. You know, I can tell you just from this, this whole hundred conscious conversations intention and goal that I had this year of reaching out to old friends and new friends and, you know, people that are in my business group and just saying, Hey, you know, um, you know, I, I know we haven't really met outside the group, but I, you know, would love to grab coffee and, you know, or, you know, maybe go on a walk or like, Hey, if you want to, you know, wrap a little bit more about, you know, these topics, I'd love to, uh, to engage a little bit further. And I know that almost every time that we have the conversation, whether I realize it's, 
you know, probably not a friendship that is, is going to last for me. The encounter is usually always fun and the encounter is always enjoyable. It's always the initial intrepidation. Yeah. I, I find that even on the same topic, sometimes it can even be with women. So what I'm observing at least now is really asking my body, is this going to feel good or bad? Cause I, I've had nights when I was even just, I went to a two day transformation event and I initially was like, ah, I'm going to go for like a couple hours and then come home. I, it's like the only time I have to rest, you know, and like kind of re- rejuvenate. And, uh, <clears throat> I still work, but I went and after like two hours, I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm staying all weekend. And I got total fulfillment from it and came back on fire. So again, I'm discovering kind of checking in with the body. How does it feel from every, every connection, every relationship. So back to one of our initial podcast that we've talked about earlier, like really checking in how you feel and does it feel like lighter, more opening, or does it feel denser, heavier, more resistant? So yeah. Yeah. Feeling that when I go to meet with different people is kind of saying like, okay, is this one going to uplift me? And if it does spending quality time, because if it's two givers, a lot of times you get more energy than not. So that's been another helpful strategy is just kind of taking off the filter. Uh, I've also found like, can I add something to that real fast? Yeah. Interject. Cause I think you just hit on such a good point that, you know, if you've listened to a lot of our shows in the past, a big part of what, you know, a lot of our topics have been is this whole fact of bringing in people, environments, conversations, dialogue, uh, men, women, whatever it happens to be, but having those conversations where they're feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think how it relates, at least what it's been a big part of my process is I realized that until I did this work around the trauma of, let's say it's called the archetype of the, when I was a little boy, the little boys that haze me and I felt shamed and I felt abused and all the stuff that I experienced as a child, I somehow kept wanting to recreate those scenarios or attracting those scenarios. And then intuitively that's who I wanted to be judged. Uh, that's who I wanted to be accepted by. So when I was listening through my mind, if you will, my mind kept going, it was almost like on repeat, like, oh, I was judging everybody else, essentially, that was vulnerable like me and open like me. And I was pursuing relationships with other men who I didn't trust in order to be loved. It was like I was playing out the pattern from childhood again. Like, oh, let me chase this peer group who I want to be accepted by, who I don't feel accepted by, and then who I feel awkward with and unsafe with. And I was repeating those patterns to me what's been the biggest game changer is literally letting go all the filters, if you will, and just feeling. And my friendships have changed and morphed into friends who I never would have. If I just looked at them based on pure judgment, let's say if we do use judgment, I wouldn't have thought that we would have gotten along or I wouldn't have initially associated myself with them. And what I find now is now that I just do it on based on heart and how it feels, I'm a, all these friendships are spawning and are flourishing where feels more like the tribe that accepts me for the natural who I am. And I'm also discovering the more and more I put myself out there um, and own who I am and love who I am. Um, some of the friends that were closest are that were never close. I just was trying to get their attention or running further. So what I'm discovering is again, if we can kind of surrender who we want it to be and more, um, more tune into how we feel, I find you may be sitting there at an event and somebody you may feel great, but may have a judgment of like, Oh, we're not the same tribe or whatever that is. But if we just go how we feel, we'd be like, man, that was awesome. Great conversation. And then we reach out to those people. And then I find we're surrounding ourselves by people who feel good. One of my, I got to say one of my um, quick, quick side note, one of my biggest game changers was uh, every year I go to Burning Man and, you know, years ago I used to do professional fire performance and there was these really sexy camps that had like, 
all these gorgeous women who are performers and the men and it was everybody had like the style and everything kind of going on. So it was this kind of really cool camp, if you will. And I remember like wanting to be a part of those camps and um, <clears throat> camping at my camp each year because I, I do it to stay with my parents, but almost feeling like I want to be part of these groups. And, um, you know, something interesting happened is one year. And, I, and then I remember I was always feeling kind of rejected, if you will, like almost like not quite good enough or sexy enough or whatever the MO was, right? It was like I, was, I wasn't fulfilled, didn't fully, fully, fully accepted, I was trying to earn my acceptance or try to become somebody to get accepted. And uh, all of a sudden, one year I had a really big shift of like, man, how do I, how do I fill most of my year with the people who already feel fulfilling? And I looked at it like, oh man, my, my, my peeps at Burning Man are from all walks, all walks of life. And I just feel safe. And I'm like, why have I been ignoring in a sense, these close intimate friendships who are super there for me and super connected. And then putting the priority is on building friendships around the peer groups I was trying to get accepted by who didn't accept me. And so making that big shift of like, um, choosing to reach out and spend quality time and connections and deepen the relationships that already loved me for who I was, uh, has massively shift my level of fulfillment, but I also felt it kept me a little safe in that pocket. Um, and so now it's like the next level where I'm learning to reach out and become more and then feel again, feel where people are at and have the courage to not be passive aggressive, to speak my truth, to communicate vulnerably, to share what's going on and also call people on, on what I see. And I'm at least the stage that I'm at now, I'm discovering it's, it's new, but it's, um, it's new and it's not what the ego wants. If that makes any sense. It's like the ego wants to feel significant. My ego, if I'm honest with myself, wants to feel significant. So the men that I choose to surround myself with, it's probably who my ego observes to be rich or powerful or successful or good looking or whatever my ego intuitively feels is not enough or whatever I judge myself for not being enough. And then I crave those dynamics to try to get into just like, oh, if I'm part of this dynamic, then I'll be enough. And um, what I'm discovering is it's all projections of of that. And then I find the environment is a lot of times those actual environments they feel not enough, which is the irony. It's like here you're around somebody who may look uber successful financially or physically good looking or has sculpted their body or whatever society deems as successful. And then you see deep within them that they're not fulfilled. And even though they have what you everybody's wanting, they're feeling unfulfilled because everybody just wants me for this, not who I really am. So it's like this. Um, and so at least what I'm discovering now, if I take down all those walls of what my ego projects out to feel like, my tribe or uh, again, to try to feel enough. And I just start to go on how I feel and who I connect with and who feels in their heart. I'm finding like it's bringing my heart's leading me to new groups of people who I see as the new masculine, if you will, that's like strong in their masculine, strong in their feminine embody both um, have strong boundary function, can speak their truth. Uh, okay. With their emotions don't need to over. And it's like almost like the gym. Cause I go to golds every day where there's a lot of, a lot of exterior, um, with Arnold. With Arnold, yeah. yeah. Arnold, Arnold, there are a lot. And there's a, I mean, there's a lot of amazing people. Some of them are super inspire me. And then some of them, like you just walk around the gym, some, some, you see the same people, got big smiles, super friendly. And then other people, like great fitness people. And I just noticed you, they're always not making eye contact or kind of avoiding. And so I just look at it like, you know, like why try to um, like honor and embrace what's going on and just accept the tribe, if that makes sense. So like why, why work to... And again, I, I also take ownership of like, oh, is it something that I'm doing too? Because maybe 
I've had my head down and not been looking at these people. And now I'm happy to see them and they're reflecting back me. Um, so I'm constantly like feeling into that and feeling more what that looks like and learning to be okay. You know, learning to be okay if I, and it sounds so simple, but it's like I'm there every day. So I see the same damn people every single day. Um, and so after a while to me, it's like, if I see them every day, same people, hi, <laughs> you know, going through life saying like, hi, I thought it feels more fulfilling when I see the same people. I'm like, Hey, what's up, man? doesn't mean we have to talk or stop the day or have these in-depth deep conversation, but like acknowledge each other. And uh, it's interesting. I see the ones that won't ever quite look at you. And then I'm like, okay, am I doing that to other people? Like, am I going through only looking for the fitness people and not acknowledging the everyday people? Is, if that makes sense. So, so I think that's how we look at it. So I'm practicing lately saying hi to everybody like, Oh, and then I'm realizing, Oh my God, like half the people I'm not seeing because the people that are all flashy in fitness and what I'm wanting to grow into stop stand out so much that I realized I wasn't acknowledging the daily everyday people as much. And so it's really been a practice to me to be like, Oh, I can be gentler and I can, I can become a better person in saying hi to everybody as well. Not just if that makes any sense. So, so I feel like, I feel like it's a valid subject and I feel like going down this rabbit hole, it's like, how can we really practice it? How can we really own it? How can we really um, follow our heart and also have the courage to to communicate and then to speak up um, and to um, reach out to build friendships? I think it gets easier, but I think this is a, you know, this is a constant dance that we do and that dance is really checking in with, wow, am I, Am I looking for this peer group's approval? Um, am I dismissing them based on based on my heart and because it just really doesn't feel enlightening? Or is it because like you mentioned earlier, because I'm, you know, tapping into the egoic part of me that was there when I was younger that helped protect me, um, you know, possibly from the cool kids or not feeling like I'm fitting in with the cool kids. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, I'm, I'm trying to fit in with this tribe because of I'm looking for acceptance, you know, and, and, and part of it to heal that inner child and, and some of that inner wounding, if you will. But, and also, you know, also checking in with yourself was like, how much of this am I playing part of in, in terms of, wow, these people aren't being super receptive to me or they're not saying hi to me, but am I saying hi to them? And if I'm not, you know, why is that? But I think that's a, I think that's a really big one is just checking in with yourself of like, okay, like, why do you want to engage with that person? Why don't you want to engage? And do you feel like it, that's be, that's in alignment with your truest resonance or is it, you know, maybe something that's going on in the head that's, uh, you know, that's keeping you there? Well, I feel like it, it goes multiple ways because it allows us to ask, am I, am I reaching out? Like, am I actually introducing myself and saying hi to people? I, I think at the end of the day, everybody's scared. <laughs> and the irony is, it's almost like the more work somebody does at external, then they become more conscious of external. It's really interesting. So I think there's these layers, you know? Um, so I think it's getting really comfortable with it is what's key. You know, really comfortable with ourselves and who we are and what we're doing. And again, the, the work of feeling, loving, loving the self, loving the good, the bad, um, all the stuff that shows up is really, I think, important, you know? And again, when that happens, then I can go, oh, boom, something just happened. Now I'm feeling, I'm feeling not enough. Let me go feel that. Oh, this person didn't acknowledge me. Okay, let me go in and feel that. Versus, versus getting caught and feeling hurt or abandoned or whatever the story is, right? How do we go and feel those parts of ourself, acknowledge those and be with those? And um, 
I find that's the practice really. And in, in doing so, half the people might just be busy. I mean, I find what I am, I'm sometimes checked out. I'm like so in my head or thinking of my day, I'm not being aware. So again, it could be anybody else just going through the same motions and they don't even see you because they're inside, you know? So again, it could be that same same experience. And it's like, how do we interrupt somebody's pattern? Somebody might be the, the nicest, really cool person. We've just built them out a story of who we think they are. And unless we go out and introduce ourselves and get to know them, we'll never know, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like 90% of the time, it it starts with us, if not 99% of the time. Um, and, and, and you're right, maybe some people are just busy, but I also think it it's how you show up is how it gets, is how the world in general uh, men in general will will start to reflect back to you. I notice even uh, just an active process. If I practice smiling, walking around, totally, it's, it's almost night and day difference. Because again, I think we don't realize how we come across half the time. Half the time, we may see ourselves a certain way, but then how people see us might be totally different. And again, we may be thinking That's we're seen this way, and we may be intimidating. People may be intimidated to talk to us and think that we're assholes because. Again, like who knows how I'm perceived when I go in and I do my morning workouts and I'm in my own flow. I think I'm this nice, gentle, you know, super gentle, open person, but I may come across as a closed asshole <laughs> that's kind of in a hurry and you know what I mean? So who knows how we're perceived? Um, and unless we're smiling and open and starting conversations, it, you never know how we're, 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 we're perceived. I happen to feel that there is almost never a complete direct uh, how do I put this? There, there, you're, you're never spot on with how you think you're being perceived and how you're being perceived, whether that's more negative or more positive or whatever. People just definitely have different perceptions. Yeah, I agree. I, and it's interesting when you said that it brought up something that just recently happened. Um, I used to do this. And then I, I think lately I'd been back into my old kind of stuck up self of taking myself too serious. And I'll share with the strategy in case anybody wants to do it is I have um a buddy of mine years ago, who's also friends with uh, with Scott, his name's Fritz, and he gave me this monkey, and I named the monkey Patches, and that's when I first started going to Burning Man. Burning Man's like full of self-expression and being whoever you want to be and exploring those different avenues, and so I would wear this monkey around, and um, I'd, I started at Burning Man just because it was fun one day, like, oh, I'll wear this monkey, and they give him a name and, and make him part of my journey. I named him Patches, and we'd go places, and Whatever we would do, I, kids would be around or people would be around and I made him part of the story. It was so much fun. And then I came back and it didn't really work into the normal every day. But I noticed that all of a sudden I'd get too, like take life too serious or get too internal to my head. And I'd force myself, when, the last thing I wanted to do was wear a monkey. It felt so uncomfortable and I'd force myself to do it. I'd say, you need to get out of your, out of your head and back in your body. And I'd wear the monkey and I'd go shopping like at Whole Foods or, or go to Target or wherever, go somewhere in public where I felt really uncomfortable. Um, to wear this monkey around my neck. And the irony is, and it's super funny because I just did it again at this last event. It probably been a couple years, good couple years where I remember thinking about it and be like, no, I couldn't do that now. You know, now I'm what, 38, blah, blah, blah. Some story, right? Some ego story in the head. Um, or a couple of my buddies, I think I told them and they looked at me like I was an asshole or like an idiot. Like, really? Like you, you wouldn't do that anymore, right? Like almost like it was so far outside their comfort zone that um, I let that affect me. And because of it, I turned to kind of like this internal person and I went to this Kyle Cease event and I was like, you know what? I'm really going to get outside my comfort zone. I'm going to choose to wear stuff that makes me feel uncomfortable that I like. So I wore like the first day I wore this like Bernie man kind of outfit, which I hardly ever wear, uh, you know, kind of costumes and things, but I just felt like it. So I wore this costume cause it was uncomfortable. 
And it, it was great because it, it made me feel uncomfortable. And in already feeling uncomfortable and having to deal with it, it, it forced me to get into more uncomfortability on the work that I was doing. And day two, um, I, I felt like I needed to bring patches. So I put patches with me and put them on me and I was walking around. And the irony is literally, I couldn't even get in the door and people were asking me questions. It became this like conversation starter. People were open, receptive, playful, fun. And, and I tell them like, hey, every time I get too serious, I, I bring him around to make sure that I have a fun and be a kid again and get outside my comfort zone. And then they would really relate to it. And, and so again, the reason I bring it up is I found I was having so much fun. I was talking to people. I was interacting. I was giving high fives. I was running around like talking to strangers. Like all of a sudden this crazy external part of me showed up to go have fun and be a kid and just didn't care. And it really showed me. I'm like, oh, wow. When I'm internal, I'm kind of stuck in my head, caring what people think not interacting when I'm external. I, it's like, I'm so in the moment, I'm just being a part of the, a part of it. And so I would maybe say, what challenges you to break that barrier? What could you do that is forced comfortable, uncomfortability that forces you to already break the barrier. And then you either, um, they say what you, you'll, you'll attract and repel, meaning you'll repel. Some people won't want to get anywhere close to you, but in the same sense, you'll get people that are more magnetized to you. So that's what I'm finding more and more. The more we own who we are, the more we put ourselves out there vulnerably, transparently, authentically, we attract and repel. We repel the people that aren't into it and we attract even further the people that do resonate. You know, and I love what you just said. You know, I'm just thinking about, you know, how I show up. So I think a lot of times because we're on autopilot, we don't realize how we show up. And I think this is a really great opportunity, especially if you have a significant other, ask them, ask them how you show up. Michelle's, um, beautiful enough and transparent enough. And we have such a good dynamic that she's able to call me out sometimes, you know, sometimes people can be a little angry. So you know, it's like, Hey, maybe you can be a little nicer to people. Or, you know, sometimes people are, or they joke around too much. And, and so you never feel like they are um, serious enough, right? They're always kind of the goofball or just the opposite. Maybe you're too serious and you kind of need to lighten up a little bit. Or, you know, a lot of times in my case, I can become a little bit more quiet. And in order for me to just to, to really start to put myself out there and engage more and, you know, maybe go tell a joke or yell something out or, or interact more with the crowd, I, I think that's a great opportunity. I, I know for me that whenever I step outside of my comfort zone, it really helps me to do that. And, and for me, it's being in a really good state because I know that when I'm tired, <laughs> I, I get super insular. And I know that um, when I'm insular... I don't connect as much. And what I also notice is that people don't come up to me as much. That's, that, that's something I'm a little bit more aware of. Um, but I will say that if you have someone you trust and you can ask them authentically, it's like, hey, look, I'm not going to get mad at you. But you know, when you see me and I seem a little bit off-putting or I, I seem not as engageable, if you will, what, what, what type of uh, traits or personality things are, are actually showing up? And I think that's a, that's a really great one. Both me and Josh both work one-on-one with men and uh, we've seen amazing results. And this isn't something that I normally bring up on the podcast, but I feel that it's, it's pretty appropriate because it is the work that we do. And I just wanted to just do a quick minute because the, the retreat that I did that's just with all men that I did with Josh was so transformative and so beautiful. And, and it's just not something that's out there. And so I, I would love to just take just a, a, a few quick minutes for Josh to just really describe a little bit more on what exactly that is. And if there's any men out there that happens to be listening and, you know, for those few select men that are like, wow, 
I really could use something like that. Josh, why don't you just give them a synopsis of you know exactly what they can expect as far as you know, results or experiences through that process? Yeah, Scott, thanks. I appreciate I appreciate that. I feel really honored to hold space for men to come together. And uh, really what we're doing is uh, emotional intelligence leadership training. So at the core of it, we're, we're learning uh, emotional intelligence is defined by <clears throat> essentially, are you controlled by your emotions or do you, do you let your emotions, you know, are you, are you able to feel into what is what? So I believe all confusion, all challenges, all stuff is because we're stuck in the head. And in order to go into the heart, we have to learn how to feel. We have to learn how to become one with our emotions. We have to learn how to love our core wounds, the parts of ours that we want to run from and don't have a platform for. We need to learn how to love and accept and be with and learn how to feel what our truth is. So really, I find the only way to do it is to go out. There's a lot of ways to do it, but a powerful way that I found is to go out into the mountains where you're away from your distractions. Um, you're away from really good cell phone service. You can still call if you need to, but you're in the mountains. And to come together with you know 10 other men, small group of men, and really to go within, to really look within for a weekend and practice feeling all weekend. Even though it sounds outside the box or uncomfortable or vulnerable, like you come back to life when you really learn how to feel. And, and really what we're doing is we're, doing the courageous work to go into all the stuff that, you know, feel into the areas that we may not have felt because it was wrong or it felt vulnerable or we thought it was weak and we're practicing feeling, realizing we're not alone. And in having the strength and courage to go into our uncomfortable areas and love them through that, it gives us so much power and strength because the areas we've been running from, we now face and uh, super fulfilling. So yeah, if anybody's if you're interested, again, I, I look at it like we're learning to, to do emotional intelligence leadership training. After guys come through, I've seen massive transformations. The number one thing I hear is a lot more self-love. Guys are like, man, I really feel a deeper sense of self-love and connection with myself. I've had guys quit drinking. Uh, again, when they go into their heart and feel what they need, a lot of things shift. So we come back and make radical changes. So I've had guys give up pornography, give up alcohol, drugs, um, you know, or on the other side, it's not that they're giving up stuff. They, they want to make bold commitments to mastering their finances or their career or their relationship or certain areas in their life or spending time with their daughter or their son. So pretty powerful, transformative. It's a, it's a safe place to meet other brothers where you go really deep and really build a brotherhood that you feel safe um, and really get to get clarity on who you are and, and feel the truth. I think when you have and you feel the truth, you get a lot of clarity because it comes from within and you don't need to go external to get that that information. You can feel your truth from within. So yeah. uh, reach out to me. You can reach me um, just either on my website, on the Mastering Fulfillment website, any, any, any way you can reach me. I'm happy to answer any questions or just talk through talk you through without it or go into more depth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, go to the Mastering Fulfillment. There'll be a link there or masteringfulfillment.com slash retreats. I can say that there is uh, just a lot of benefit from just spending a weekend and again like what josh said just away from everything and just hanging out with the brothers and it's just it's nice it's carefree there's a lot of joking around um but essentially everyone has a different experience but what i've seen and, and what i have encountered is that you just you basically leave feeling a little bit lighter and a little bit more excited to to take on, to bring on, to uh, exert yourself into you know these other areas in which you're looking to really grow from you know whether it's uh, relationships or your career or whatever it happens to be. 
Um, and uh, it's, it's very difficult sometimes to do that if there's not some continuity to it. And so spending three to four days in that space is, is absolutely just wonderful. Plus, Josh knows what the fuck he's doing and, and he's, a, he's a badass. So that, <laughs> so that helps as well. <laughs> you know, thank you for everyone for listening. As always, me and Josh just really appreciate uh, your ear and your heart. And we look forward to serving you guys on the next podcast. Are you ready to take your personal, relational, or business fulfillment to the next level? With one-on-one personal support, co-developed strategies, and accountability, Scott and Joshua have the tools, compassion, and years of experience helping people just like you live an extraordinary life. Southern California region, our Men's Mastering Freedom Retreat is offered quarterly for individuals seeking to increase their fulfillment in an extended weekend gathering. This is an incredibly powerful and transformative weekend, and just for our podcast listeners, there is a $200 discount just for mentioning the podcast. Visit masteringfulfillment.com slash retreat for details.